Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we're live on a uh, first-time caller, Frogman Friday, July 15th. I am Jack Riggins, host of Drive Time Lincoln. I, Caleb Henry, is stepping in for Johnny Cadillac. I'm actually excited because I, Caleb Henry, is, uh, I think we don't, well, we're not on extremes, but we see things in politics and how to run the country and society a little bit different. But Mm -hmm. he's always one of the best guys that we communicate across, and, and it's good. I enjoy it. Like, I actually think that I, Caleb Henry, and I should be elected officials working <laughs> issues because we would disagree on a lot of things, but we would be able to find compromises. We is find it, a middle is ground. Is that a fair? Lot. Yeah. There, there's a lot of times when we're talking off air with stuff that it'll be a originally intended to be like a two minute conversation. <laughs> and then 20 minutes later, we're like, all right, well, let's roll this out. This is what should be happening. <laughs> Well, because you're in here and because you have been very public, well, once again, let me do the, the, the show specifics. <laughs> first-time caller, Frogman Friday, open. We want first-time callers. Uh, Rick Stein, recognition hotline, 402-479-1400. And that same line can be text, too. Um, but, yeah, what do you... What do you think, Lincoln, Lancaster County, and everybody that's online? Uh, but let's go to Caleb because he's been very vocal about something I haven't covered a lot in the city, and that is splash parks. <laughs> we we had this on the we talked about this on the did morning show. Did you guys show. do the morning show? So we did, and what was really funny was when I initially brought it up on one of our What Chaps You Hide Wednesdays was that Within a few days, someone had written a letter to the editor that there needs to be more splash parks, more spray parks in Lincoln. Um, there's only one free one right now, um, and that's down at Trago. And at the time when we wanted to go, it was down for maintenance, which was like, man, it's it's summer. How is it down for maintenance right now? So, um, And the, the expectation we had when I moved here and my fiance moved here, um, we both lived in Kearney for some time. That's where we met. There are several splash parks everywhere, and we're just like, yeah. oh, this is a this is a normal thing. Just about every park has a little splash pad, mm-hmm. and it's great for communities, and it's great for neighborhoods, um, and it helps out all walks of life, all absolutely, so, uh, all socioeconomic parts of of your community. But then to realize when we want to take our little one, we're like, there's one. So, wow. So that that's something, and I think I think as you look forward with the uh, the Lincoln Parks and Rec. They are trying to get the funding for more of those to go up because you can see it. If anyone goes down to Trago on a warm day at all, the place is full. Right. And so there, there is a need for more of these across more parks in Lincoln. Well, and I, you know what? And I'm going to go with the giant fist of God of Thor. <laughs> Absolutely. We can afford and we need to afford more splash parks because of the reasons Caleb said. I have a, I mean, they're so useful. If you go back to the olden days, Right, we see when the firemen used to go ahead and undo a fire <laughs> right. hydrant. Right, it's that, but in probably a, a safer fashion. Absolutely. You know? So you're, you're one, not on a street. So there. one, you don't have to get the firemen out there to do it. Right, the the flow is more contained. 
But we've seen that in major metropolitan areas. And let's be honest, it doesn't take a lot to entertain kids. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they get to get out and socialize. They get to get out of the heat. And parents get to socialize and community. The parents are having just as much That's fun right. as the kids, by because, the way. And then the parents also get, it's a community thing. You mm-hmm. get to meet there. Um, and so when I saw that way back when, I laughed. Because in my family, we have a, a great family picture of the first time when we lived out in California in the Navy that we ventured up to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Disney expert, if it's not Disneyland, which I think is the California one, don't don't hammer me because there's Disney World, Disneyland. I think that's Disneyland. I think in, it is too. In Anaheim. But you pay a lot of money to go to those parks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at about, I don't know, 300 yards in, there was a splash park. Mm-hmm. And we spent three hours with all of my kids between the ages of eight at the time down to two. At the Splash Park. We didn't, we spent however many hundreds of dollars and never really got past the Splash Park. So we just took a bunch of pictures and now they're up in the house and it's a great memory. (laughs) But it's pretty funny. Uh, Hey, uh, Lincoln, Lancaster County, a lot going on out there. Um, You know, covering the NEGOP a lot this week uh, because it's out there and I wanted to talk about it a little bit more. which was uh, Congressional uh, Mike Flood and his inauguration. I mentioned it briefly um, on Tuesday night. So he has gone to D.C. He is out there. And, of course, he's got to come back to the general mm-hmm. in November. And as I like to say, being a conservative, all the gener- or all the uh, special election did was show Democrats how many votes they've got to go get. I think it's about 9,000, but let's be competitive, folks, right? That's that's okay. Democrats know there's, you know, there's a gap at least in the special election and and that makes it more competitive, more fair, and you know, conservatives will have to show up to try to keep him in there. But I I have to say I don't understand why and I guess the decorum is Speaker Pelosi runs kind of the oath. Mhm. And I can understand the political gamesmanship of doing it later at night when it's not packed, but they really do it kind of like get in, get out. Right. And, and maybe that actually is the way it is no matter what. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But as a military member, it just seems so silly and petty because, you know, these people are elected and it is a very important role. And maybe at the same time, I'm reading too much stuff, making too much about it. <laughs> I will admit that. Um, but it just surprises me. That's how they kind of introduce people into their oath to represent the people mm-hmm. up in D.C. I mean, you, know? you get there, you shake the hand, you, you take the picture, and it's get-to-work time. Right? <laughs> well, there you go. I right? would, so, okay. so, so there is that part of it. Maybe on the side of the, uh, the, the, the floods folks that they didn't want it to go on forever because he's already made a vote this week. Like, there, there are things... Yeah, he's oh, got, you got to work. Yeah, there are things that, because he's there and filling in... There's no time to go through the learning curve. Yeah. Um, and he's someone who's been in elected office before, so he knows some of the ins and outs, but every political office is a little bit different. But yeah. I, I'm sure Representative Flood just wanted to get there, get to work, and be like, cool, we got our picture. This is the part. This is going to go up in the House. I, I won the special election. But now there's things to do. And I think that's on that's on this all sides. This is why of it. I like talking to you because we get some balanced perspectives. Because you know, then my wheels turn. And it I could th- be fun to read into it, though. It could, like we can go well, way down. Yeah, there. Like, that, could, that could be fun. Listen, we could go down rabbit holes. <laughs> um, yeah, I just find it interesting. But 
to Caleb's point, yeah, there are times in the military where, right, I mean, normally you'd have a big old ceremony and it's kind of like a guy shows up and you slap his award on his chest and that's it. It's like, hey, and there's your office over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the end of the day, I would rather have them working and studying the issues and getting the votes out uh, than decorum. Um, but there were a lot of Nebraskans that had emailed me and texted me about it. And, and I think that's one of the things that... Again, knowing that sometimes on the show we fan the flames, but in reality we are trying to get to that more constructive conversation and not down the rabbit holes, which I think as a society at large, we're we're more prone to these days, mm-hmm. right? So good points there, Caitlin. I think we take more offense when it's our people. Well, so, and so, that's the other So on, on the one side, it's a Nebraskan that's right. going there. Right, and, true. And it, so it's, okay, well, we want our person as a Nebraskan to have all of the pomp, pomp and circumstance, if that's what the situation um, is supposed to have. But then also, if you're a Republican, if you're a conservative, it's, it's even more your person. You voted yeah. for Mike Flood. That's your representative that you sure. wanted to be there. You want all of that to be there, especially if the person doing the swearing in is someone that's across the aisle that that you have a number of political differences with. You want them to go above and beyond to show that you're welcoming them. So I think there are times that, and this isn't just politics. This goes to to sports, of course. Think about the number of times Nebraskans think ESPN hates Nebraska. That if it's <laughs> if it's our people, if it's our person, we we are a little bit thinner skinned with it at times, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you you protect your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, other big news that's out there that uh, I think is interesting, um, and this is good. It, you know, Caleb can bounce off, uh, as we were discussing earlier. Well, let's go back. First-time callers, you're letting me down right now. <laughs> that means nobody's listening to the show. Uh, Rick Stein Recognition Hotline, 402-479-1400. Don't worry, I will sleep at night even if you don't call in, but I want to make sure to give you uh, the opportunity to. (laughs) Okay, well, Chicken Rich, good text. Uh, Remember, folks, you can call in and the text line works too. Okay, you got it, Chicken Rich. If the commander starts growing out a man bun, then we will know the influence of Caleb has got to him. (laughs) Love Caleb for morning fun and the commander for dealing with life. Well, Caleb is dealing with a lot of life with his little one, and he, he does a... Honestly, he does a phenomenal job covering sports, which I've seen a lot of sports reporters, that's all they can talk about. But Caleb is very well-rounded and very educated and keeps up on many issues, not just community, but national, which is a special talent to you, my friend. Hey, thank you. Yeah, that, that comes from... Uh, Me? I just th- breathe fire. <laughs> but no, that, that, hey, the, every, everyone needs that part in there, too. I'm a former news person. My parents are both social studies teachers. My, my grandparents were teachers. Really? My, uh, my mom's dad was in the Marines, so there, there's a lot that, that 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 I've gone through growing up that I've just had experiences yeah, yeah. to where it's, okay, semi-pay attention to this, and you can kind of make make yeah. a connection somewhere. Oh, here we go. First-time callers are coming in. Uh, we'll let Caleb answer those. Uh, drugs. We talked about it yesterday. A lot of texts on the drugs. So good that, uh, you know, we're interdicting, as we like to say. Um, Scott, well, yeah, thank goodness for law enforcement getting the drugs off our street. And we need to continue to. I mean, it is a war that's been going on since I was a little kid. 
Um, there's no doubt. I agree. I talk about it a lot. Uh, you know, we need to secure the border. And, and in this city, we need to get more police officers. We need more street officers. That in and of itself is a deterrence that allows, you know, them to professionalize the force more. It allows them to give training um, on all the issues that are out there, right? Whether we talk about, you know, uh, diversity and how we deal with mental health. Well, you still got to have officers on the street while other officers are able to do that training. So, yeah, good point. I think most Nebraskans would support that and in lincoln here you know we've got to keep growing the force out to a to a level that works for a city of three hundred thousand uh we will talk a little bit about uh the story that's broke about this uh lpd investigating the negop headquarters and uh gets caleb's perspective as somebody that's kind of outside of that loop on what went down this week Mm -hmm. but let's go to sam on line one sam welcome to drive time lincoln hey how we doing jack good how are you I'm doing well, and I, uh, as always, appreciate your your commentary. And wanted to go a little bit lighter side here today. I'm a second time caller with nobody calling in, though. I figured I was better than nothing, right? Oh so. yeah, absolutely. I I don't think our uh, I don't I don't think our vetting process is that uh, strict. That okay. well, also oh, Sam, okay. that's a terrible way to ask someone to prom. I'm better than no one, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's always worked. It's always worked. <laughs> So uh, I'm a I'm a big golf guy. Uh, I actually dabble in the golf industry, and uh, the Open's going on this week. I know Jack, you're a you're a golf aficionado. Um, curious your take on the Open, uh, and uh, just trying to keep it a little light here this Friday. Yeah, so. I like that. Um, okay. Um, if you've been listening to the show a little bit, I've been double tapped this week, and I've been completely transparent that I uh, volunteered to help the NEGOP, uh, you know, in their transition. And so that has, number one, I was able to play golf two times this week, and it is both times the worst scores I've had in five <laughs> years, including the terrible tournament rounds I've put up this year. Um, but I am now kind of. I actually asked a guy today, I said, oh my God, it's open week. Because I love the open. I actually, everybody talks about the U.S. Open, and yes, I'm an American, but as a golf you know, junkie, the open championship is the one I love the most. Mm-hmm. The original place for golf. And so for me, and I think anybody that likes and cares about golf, the open is the one you always have to watch, and if you ever get a chance to go over where golf was invented, I got to go to the 2014, I was stationed in Germany at the time, Ryder Cup over in Scotland at Glen Eagles, or it might have been Ireland, one of the two. If there's anybody of heavy descent there, they're going <laughs> to hammer me. Right. Uh, but I'm looking now, finally, at the scoreboard um, right now. No surprise, Cameron Smith, he's been knocking at the door so many times, uh, thirteen under, leading the tournament. Uh, Cameron Young, Victor Hovland, Victor Hovland, another great player. Well, Cameron Young, this is his first time playing in a is it a, in okay? A See, because you're the sports guy. Well, he shot eight under on the first day, and that that's one of the best ever scores for a rookie going into a major. What would I do without Caleb, the sports guy? <laughs> well, right? I was curious because I had to check good. the scores, and, and they play early enough, so I'm yeah. kind of giving some updates in the morning. Yeah, so it's I, what about I was six curious hours? Where different. Young was at? Yeah, it's about six hours difference, I think. Um, McElroy's up there. You know, I think he's ready to break through at one of these. Um, and for, you know, well, yeah, he already has, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Dustin Johnson, Scheffler, Cantley, Taylor Gooch, Adam Scott. Okay, here we go. Here's what I think is the most interesting storyline. 
Cameron Smith's a phenomenal player. He's always knocking at the door, so he's putting himself right in position, um, and I like to see it. Um, the Cameron Young story, that's great. He appears to hold it together. He'll be there. These are low scores for an open right now. You know, I, the weather conditions over there um, my, my, must be down a little bit. Hovland, McElroy, I mean, you got guys, and then Dustin Johnson. Let's just take those along with Scotty Scheffler, who's proven it, and Adam Scott on the first page of the leaderboard. It is looking like this could be a really awesome weekend lineup of high-level golf in the oldest championship there is. And... Boy, I, I would say the only side storyline, and I don't talk about sports often, but the o- only side storyline, because I have no problem with the Live Tour. Right. Right. To me, it's just capitalism. Everybody competes. I do have a problem with how fast the PGA Tour like made their policies about it. <laughs> I, I think they should have waited on that. So my point is, once a Live Tour guy... In this case, Dustin Johnson, because it will happen. Mm-hmm. You know, wins one of these big tournaments, it's going to be an interesting dynamic in the golf behind the scenes circles. Yeah. But other than that, um, as an American, hey, I'm all, I, I want Cameron Young to keep playing well. But if I had to say, I would like to see Scotty Scheffler mm-hmm. roll forward, I'd be okay with a McElroy or Cameron Smith win as well. Have you been to St. Andrews? I have walked St. Andrews. I didn't get to play it. I got to play Carnoustie when I was over there, and I'm a big Ben Hogan fan. So it was like Carnoustie or bust because that's where he won his Open. Um, and it, it was so awesome. And, of course, John Vandeveld uh, screwed up the 18. It's just historic. <laughs> and so I was scared when I was on the 18 of the Vandeveld story with the little burns. And so I bailed my driver so far right that I had to go over to other tourists onto a par three green that's over there and my caddy had to pick up the ball and put it on the side (laughs) and then i hit it just in front of the green chipped it up i made par on that 18th and i also parred the hogan alley's hole which is pretty cool um and then saint andrews was part of the just go down there and get some fish Mm -hmm. and chips because it's all kind of a golf community and walk the grounds and it's it's all it's cracked up to be if you're a golf nut um the story is it's been playing really fast okay um also it's not for people that just watch golf in the u.s how everything's always yeah. pristine and really green sand injuries yeah. is not that yeah. um also the pace of play has been very slow for oh people. interesting some of the rounds on day one were taking six hours yeah and then we watched the Ryder cup and of course we got in the car to go back to our little airbnb and phil mickelson threw tom watson under the bus and <laughs> we all about drove off the road but phenomenal trip go over there if you're a golfer and one thing i will tell you and we got to get to a break is that that is a place that every single person lives and breathes golf in that part of the world. It's the weirdest thing. I mean, all the barmaids and everybody can talk to you about golf. Joe, we'll get to you when we come back. 1,499.3KLIN. It is motorcycle and bicycle season. Look once and look again. Keeping you moving with Time Saver Traffic, I'm Chris Lofgren. Drive Time Lincoln with the Commander Jack Riggins on the voice of Lincoln. 1,499.3KLIN. All right, I'm back. I'm Jack Riggins, host of Drive Time Lincoln. I, Caleb Henry, is producing. We've got Joe on line one. Welcome, Joe, to Drive Time. Hey, Commander, it's Joe. How you doing, Joe? Well, I've been on hold so long, I think I got cauliflower. Well, <laughs> good point. I'm sorry about that, but we had a good caller before you, and we ran into the break, and so we had to just legally let it roll until now. But what do you got? 
Well, I also want to talk about something other than politics. Uh, America Thank had you. a very sad day on June 29th through two and a half weeks ago that didn't get enough attention and frankly could not get enough attention. The United States of America lost its last World War II Congressional Medal of Honor winner, Marine uh, Woody Williams. The very last one. I think there were 400 and some. Age 98. Yes. So he was born in a dairy farm in West Virginia in 1923, right during the beginning of the Depression. But in West Virginia, they probably didn't even know the Depression happened because it was already so depressed. Three and a half pounds. uh, Didn't expect him to live. Uh, He lives. Dad dies when he's 11. He does some odd jobs. Uh, He was only five foot six. So in 42, he's going to join up, and he didn't like any uniforms other than the Marine uniforms. So he joined the Marines because they had blue uniforms and not brown uniforms. I don't know, Commander, if that had something to do with your decision on the SEALs or not, but... Well, I, I do have to admit, I personally believe the Navy whites are the coolest uniforms in the United uh, States yeah. military. Now, from a warfighting perspective, I absolutely do believe the United States Marines have the best uniform of a warfighting organization out there. We just have cool uniforms in the Navy. <laughs> so we tried to join in 42, and the Marines said, you're too short. <laughs> came back a year later at 43, and apparently that wasn't an, an issue again. So he joined the Marine Reserves, uh, gets his his basic training done, and then he's his job is he's a he's a flamethrower. Wow! And you know, in the Pacific in 1942, if you're a flamethrower for the Marines, you don't have life insurance salesmen knocking on your door trying to sell you life insurance. I'll oh. put it that way. No, and he got his Medal of Honor during the Battle of Iwo Jima. I mean, if there isn't a crazier American history story than Iwo Jima, I don't know what is. Inch by inch. Yeah, right. I think by all accounts, that was the nastiest battle of the entire World War II, right? Yeah. Does anybody I, dispute that? I don't think anybody disputes that. So here's uh, Marine Williams. And he got in the, the end of Guadalcanal, which is also horrible, but I don't think he was there very long. And he fights on Guam, and, if, and I don't know how long he was in action in Guam, but he gets to Iwo Jima, and if anybody remembers the history, Iwo Jima was this volcanic island of rock, and the Japanese had spent a year basically building an underground uh Tunnels and caves and pillboxes. Basically, so the entire island was a fortress that had been fortified, refortified, and had underground bunkers and tunnels. Pretty much militarily, you would think, probably impossible to take over. So the only person that's effective against that is the guy that sends the flamethrower flame into the pillboxes. And that was his job. So he goes out, he takes out one, and he's under fire the whole time. Yeah, pretty much everybody's with his shot. And then he came back and he went out five more times and took out five. So he took out, I think, six pillboxes in one day of battle of Eddie Wajima, the nastiest mm. battle in World War II. So, wow. At, at five foot six, I don't know how much those cans weighed, but I assume a loaded flamethrower for a guy that's uh, five foot six is a little bit of a. Low to be carrying too. 
Well, and I don't know what the, I mean, you just look at the archive footage, but I would have to assume it would be similar to like for scuba divers out there putting roughly two tanks on your back and walking around. Probably a little lighter because they probably wouldn't need all that much steel reinforced with compressed air. 72 pounds Yeah, that was it, the uh, M1 flamethrower. Yeah, there you go, Caleb Henry. Yeah, that's not, uh, that doesn't make you very mobile, folks. Yeah, so, so yes, he took out, he went back six, he went out six times total that day. And it was the same day that the flag was raised on Mount Suribachi. So, comes back, he's got pretty good P- PTSD, of course, which they didn't talk about. Although he says he doesn't remember what happened on on the day that he received the Congressional Medal of Honor. But he uh, ends up uh, working for the Veterans Administration his whole, his whole career. Yeah, I think like counselor. over three decades, right? Yeah, well, for 33 years, and he was the uh, chaplain of the Congressional Medal of Honor Society. So, Well, there's the stories of the Medal of Honor recipients and the passing. Of course, they're all nas- national treasures and, and, frankly, the best of us. And they're so humbling. And then oftentimes you see... Uh, like Woody, they go on to serve in a capacity well after the action that uh, it's just humbling, Joe. I appreciate you bringing the story. And you're right. It, we don't in, in modern times, it seems like, give these stories enough time. I kind of feel like a turd right now for not catching it. Um, Wait, I got one more plug before I go, Commander, if that's all right. You bet. Go ahead. So my buddy Alex Kershaw, my Twitter buddy, who I think is the best World War II author out there by a long ways, he just published a book that came out this year called Against All Odds. And it's about he, uh, Alex's specialty is European theater. So he, he followed five Congressional Medal of Honor winners in the, in the European theater and put together a book called Against All Odds. One of them um, is, is obviously pretty well known. Um, Audie Murphy. Yes. And, uh, and, and that story, I mean, you couldn't pay people in Hollywood to write a script of that, of the story of his gallantry in battle. I mean, it just, it just, you cannot believe the guy came out of that alive. I mean, he just had uh, apparently no fear at all. He just, it's just insane that he, uh, that he survived World War II. Well, and I think so you bring Alex up a good Kershaw, point. Against all odds. Alex Kershaw against all odds. Um, well, you know, and and I'll transition here, stay in line real quick, Joe. But um, yeah, I these stories. I always say uh, the real stuff, right? You know, truth is stranger than fiction. Real life is stranger than fiction if we can capture it, and uh, it's just. It's unbelievable stuff, and I hope that we always are remembering. And people like Alex Kershaw are capturing it um, because it's such a part of the sacrifice that people do. Um, not only those who passed on, but some of the very brave events and actions that our fellow citizens and soldiers have done. It's amazing stuff. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, thanks All for right. the call, Joe. Okay, see ya. All right, we'll see ya. Woo, that's good. That's really good stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, in, in go I, ahead. Iwo Jima, I've, I've watched some some documentaries on it where there was some of the Japanese leadership that was on the island was saying, we need to 
get out of here. Yeah, the devil dogs are yeah, here. They, they were saying, well, it, it got to the point where they can tell they're losing the island. So they're saying, we need to regroup. But at that point in the war, the Japanese leadership back at home was saying, lose that island and you may as well stay. Right. Yeah, you're you're dead to us one way or the other. Right. So that's that's tough. And when when we talk about <clears throat> war, and obviously you've got a little bit more experience with this than I do, but I wish that, I didn't. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that that's that seems to be a sentiment that I, when I've held a number of conversations with my grandfather who was in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a the the other guy on the other side is fighting for their life too. Absolutely. There's someone making calling the shots on why they're there. Yeah, but there there are some guys that when you especially looking at Iwo Jima, yes, there were guys that did not want to be in those pillboxes. Oh, anymore. absolutely, and I mean I think that you know to your point. Let me clarify. Trust me, I enjoyed. Yeah, I enjoyed my service and fighting for this country. And that may seem sick to some of you people, but so it's my my point in saying. And I wish I didn't. Was not that I didn't enjoy it as a career and was honored to do it. Just meaning that war, when man or nations go at it, is just a bad answer to things. That's my point. Um, to your point, Caleb. Yeah, the other side, right, is dug in and fighting. And you think about just like Russian soldiers right now that, you know, there are some of those Russian soldiers that don't know really what they're doing there and what they're there for. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for the most part, I think if you talk about the moral and ethical high ground, if there is one in warfare, is that um, we you know, generation after generation have generally held that, and it gives us a giant fighting advantage. Mm -hmm. But uh, to your point, you know, my grandfather took the surrender of the Japanese on the island of Mindanao in the Philippines, Mm -hmm. and they, even after they, you know, were supposed to surrender, they were so brainwashed and so uh, dedicated to the cause that they would run and jump off cliffs. Right. And then, the, you know, and, the, and and again, you, you have to put it in a, a time context, folks. I mean, you still had in the Japanese Empire at that point in the 40s, still a very samurai culture, right? That it was better to take one's own life, mm-hmm. you know, than to, you know, so that a lot the of honorable that. Honorable end. Yeah. And a lot of that was going on. And so my grandfather used to tell me how. You know, as they were setting up the POW lines, you know, to essentially bring Japanese soldiers in and then process them, you know, to essentially go back to Japan, how as Americans, it was so shocking that they were, you know, just running away from essentially, you know, food and mm-hmm. and the war was over. I mean, they yeah. had the surrender documents. And so, um Yeah. Didn't think this show was going to go that way, but I actually appreciate it. And uh, and there's just interesting perspectives. I think, you know, going big picture, and I've said this before, and I think anybody that's fought in wars, I, I don't know anyone that I associate with that says, yeah, let's go do it again. I mean, and again, maybe that's why I always talk about, even though we get passionate about things here in Lincoln and Lancaster County and statewide and nationally, uh, we need to talk. <laughs> we need to talk and we need to understand the grievances and we need to understand the other side. And then we need to understand also, that's like 700 understands there, <laughs> that we need to work to a common solution. And that might not be the perfect solution for both sides, but the the 
medium agreed upon for now solution is better than war is better than man and woman taking up arms and fighting and attacking. It's just, it's a horrible business. If there's one thing, I mean, if I was God, if I was whatever that I could ensure didn't happen to the human population, it would be no war. Mm -hmm. No, but when you look at history, it just, it just, I, it just never ends, I guess, with the human society. Right. Um, interesting stuff. Uh, news wise, um, Let's see, where can we go today? I don't think, while we're talking about war, let's go with the new suicide prevention hotline. Um, folks, That again, the PTSD that Joe mentioned and that often gets attributed to vets, um, I think the fact is, is there's vast more suicides out there while it is a crisis in the vet community it's just a crisis worldwide and in this country and so it's really really cool that there's a new three-digit number for the national suicide prevention lifeline uh 988 Mm -hmm. everybody should know it right everyone should know it i know doug fitzgerald on his show is going to have one of the driving forces on behind that um i think tomorrow tomorrow yeah Yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow at 11 and um and I don't know what to say about that other than you need to know it, okay? We all get down uh, depression, different mental health issues. I'm a huge advocate on a lot of different levels for mental health. Mental health as a term needs to be normalized. Every human being goes through it, right? And we have ways through counselors, through friends, through families to, as a society, be- better recognize the signs and symptoms, to de-escalate this stuff, get people help so they can get back to being happy, productive citizens, right? And the 988 Suicide Prevention Hotline is a great number for everybody to know. This is serious stuff. It, you know, and it, it's, it, it's alcohol and drug related. You know, somebody called in and this is a great number. You know, um, when we talk about shootings, right? When we talk about shootings, Forget the gun argument for a second. 50% of the shootings are by somebody that's intoxicated, mm-hmm. right? So it's there's a lot of different ways to attack these arguments, right? You get rid of the alcohol overconsumption, and you cut down on 50% of your shootings, just like that, right? Um, but again, I hate to see anybody struggling, and I think that you know the 988... National Suicide uh, Prevention Lifeline is a good thing for Americans. Caleb, real quick, your podcast. You've got a podcast coming out. Uh, yeah, it'll be on, on Tuesday. and we can, I mean, we can fit a break in before oh. we... Two highs on Saturday, only in the upper 80s with a northeast wind. For the Channel 8 Storm Alert team, I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, finishing up a first-time caller, Frogman Friday, and Chris Lofgren's got a traffic update. By golly, here I am. Highway 77 or the Homestead Expressway and West Old Cheney Road, a fire call. Don't know if it's a vehicle or a grass fire, but do watch for emergency vehicles in the area. All right, fair enough. Um, be careful out there. As I always say, I've just it's an observation. I don't think we're defensively driving as good as we could 
Lincoln and Lancaster County. That's just my observation. You do. You have to be careful. You have to watch everything yeah, around you. you got to pay attention. Yep. Uh, Caleb, like I said, I know you got a podcast coming out Tuesday, and because I'm not on LNK today, and maybe you've talked about it, but give us a heads up. Yeah, a just, teaser. Just briefly talked about it. I had a teaser actually dropped this week. So if you go to KLIN.com or if you go to Spotify or. Um, Apple Podcasts, any of those, you can find it. It's called Hey Dad with an exclamation point. Obviously, you can find it by searching my name, Caleb Henry. It's all about just being a dad, dad stories, and talking with other dads. So um, I've already got a, a couple episodes in the bank, and it's it's just stories about the dad experience as well as memories of, of our own dads, the good and the bad. What, I love what, it. What, what makes us um, who we are as dads now, all of the different ways that, that we've been been shaped. And uh, coming up this Tuesday, I'll have Dr. Rob Zadiska, who's an anesthesiologist in Omaha, but you probably know him better as a former Husker. Uh, you beat me to him. I, I've been trying to get him on Drive Time Lincoln, <laughs> but I always get thrown off because he's he's he, great dude. Oh, fantastic. Great dude. Really fun conversation. And as a matter of fact, this next week, while I'm fishing with my dad in Minnesota up there at uh, Ballard's on Lake of the Woods, we're going to record an episode. Yeah. Just there in one of the cabins, so that'll be uh, episode two, and I got a lot of fun ones that have been lined up. These have been interesting conversations, because I'm selfishly using some of them just for advice for myself. Yeah. Is what, where, are things some, where are things going with some of these, but, and it's not all sports guys. There are some folks that we're talking with, it, it's all walks of life, where being a dad is one of my favorite things, so I'm really enjoying talking with folks about that experience. Heck yeah, and this is what I will say. I've always, I used to have to talk to young SEALs about this. Listen, if you're not ready or you don't want to be a dad, don't be. Don't be. It was one of the greatest but also hardworking things you have to do. And I'd say the same thing with marriage. You know, cheapest advice from the commander. If you're not ready to get married, don't. But the joys that you can get of being a, a, a married man and, and having kids and being a dad is endless. It's so cool. Twelve days until my wedding, by the way. There you go. <laughs> we'll... Uh, We'll have to do a special shout-out when that comes. Uh, folks, it's been an interesting first-time caller Frogman Friday, talking about the uh, last surviving World War II um, Medal of Honor recipient. Um, talk a little bit about sports in the open, and enjoyed uh, Caleb. Thanks for coming in today. Yeah, a lot 1,499.3 KLIN.